Fab Lab Podcast 100th episode. Interview with my old E-Myth business coach, Steve Edkins. Welcome to the Fab Lab, the stone industry's only podcast dedicated exclusively to the business side of your stone shop, where we focus on improving operations inside the business so we can experience more life outside of it. So let's get down to business. Welcome back to another episode of the Fab Lab Podcast. I am your super excited host, Aaron Crowley, just tuning in with you today on a very, very special edition, the 100th episode of the Fab Lab Podcast. Now, you probably remember, since you're listening to all the episodes, right? Way, way, way back on episode 10, I did a, uh, an episode on what I called the best book on small business management ever, The E-Myth. You know, at the time, that was a milestone. That was a major accomplishment to have 10 episodes out. And here we are 90 episodes later, and I had the wonderful opportunity to interview my old Emeth coach. And I don't mean old in terms of old, old. I just mean he was my coach 10 years ago. Actually, I started in 2005 with the Emeth Mastery Program. Steve Edkins was my business coach, and for five years, he and I worked together. And truly, I can say that was a transformational experience for me personally and professionally, and it transformed my stone shop. It transformed my business forever. And so to sit down with Steve, my old business coach, as I like to refer to him, 10 years after I essentially graduated from that program is such an honor and it's exciting for me to be able to share this with you fellow fabricators just you know that I'm gravitating I'm making this transition more towards a coaching paradigm because I have seen and experienced the tremendous power that coaching has but to sit down with my old coach Steve and talk about the he's still coaching 10 years later he is still coaching business owners through that transformation. And so we we have a phenomenal conversation. It was a wonderful reunion in a sense. But more than that, it just conveyed wonderfully the power of the E-Myth principle, the E-Myth paradigm, the E-Myth itself, the concept that Michael Gerber articulated in his book, The E-Myth Revisited, and have ultimately turned into the coaching program that it is today. And so, ladies and gentlemen, I hope that you listen to this interview with great, great interest interest and attention because it is a very, very powerful interview. The lessons that Steve talks about in this episode cannot be underestimated, should not be taken lightly. They have the power to transform your business and more importantly, your life outside of your business. So if you desire to have more life outside of your stone shop, you're going to like this episode. Now, before we get to the interview, I want to mention a word from our sponsor, MoreAware. You can visit moreaware.com. And check out this fantastic software program. You know, it's interesting. We're doing so much work now over Zoom in many facets of the business. The Stone Shop, you know, with the social distancing, with the shutdowns, with the shelter in place. All of our sales staff, our estimators, are working from home remotely. We're even doing over Zoom sales presentations for our retail customers. It's amazing. And the even more amazing thing is that we're closing those sales. There's some awesome, awesome things to be learned from this time that's going to benefit us going forward. But what I'm also realizing, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking through back in the old days when we were a physical operation, meaning files, meaning physical calendars, meaning that that information was, was handed off one person at a time in an actual work order where that information had to be located if you wanted to find something in that package of information about the job. 
It's the complete opposite with MoraWare. Right now, if we had to operate on that system with social distancing, with we're required in Oregon to send people home who were not absolutely essential, that would be absolutely impractical. We could not possibly remain as efficient and continue to do the work that we are doing at the level we are doing it if we had to rely on that paper trail, that physical system, physical calendars, physical job files. With MoraWare, it's all in the cloud. It's all online. It's all accessible for everybody, everybody in the company, a sales rep over in Beaverton, an estimator over in Tigard, a sales rep in Canby, an office manager in Oregon City. They can access that information. It's at the tip of their fingers. So ladies and gentlemen, everything is changing right now in the midst of this coronavirus pandemic. I shouldn't say nothing. Many things are never going to be the same when this thing is over. It's going to change the way we do business forever. And one way you can make a major change in your business is to get off of the old school paper trail, the job files, trying to track that information down. Who had the folder last? Who had the file last? Where did it get stuck? Where is it hidden? Did it fall behind the desk? Now I can't call the customer back. That's a thing of the past with MoraWare. When you can access that information, produce quotes, save every revision, access it at any point, convert those into jobs, put them on the schedule, pre-schedule all of your work from the template all the way out to the install and everything in between, and give everybody in the company access to that information, it's phenomenal. So ladies and gentlemen, if you want to move your business into the next era that we're entering, check out moraware.com. And now, ladies and gentlemen, check out this interview with my old friend and mentor and business coach, Steve Edkins with E-Myth. Enjoy. Well, welcome back to another episode of the Fab Lab podcast. You know, today is a super, super special episode. I am glad, I'm fortunate, and I'm excited to have not just a friend, but a mentor and a former business coach, Steve Edkins, who is an extraordinary coach with the EMIF company. Today, he agreed to come on as a guest so we could just talk about the subject of EMIF. We could talk about the subject of coaching in particular and, and just kind of open up the world of coaching and this EMIF concept that, uh, at least from my perspective, absolutely transformed not just my business, but my life. And uh, so, Steve, welcome to the Fab Lab Podcast. What a treat to have you on. Thank you, Aaron. I'm, I'm thrilled to be here and to spend this time with you. Oh, well, I just, uh, I've been looking forward to this for months. This is the 100th episode. And I don't, I don't know if I told you this, but way back when we started the podcast, uh, the 10th episode, which seemed like a milestone at the time, it was, it was a big deal. And I did that episode on the book, The E-Myth, and actually we titled that episode, The Best Book on Small Business Ever. And it really was a testament to my own personal experience as an owner. And so to hear, to be here 90 episodes later interviewing you, and you know, the book was just the, the, the open door. It was in a sense, the lead magnet that opened my eyes to the world of coaching, the world of, you know, Michael Gerber's message. But it was, it was the coaching relationship that you and I had that, that really cemented it and, and helped to put it into practice. And so can you just give us a real brief background on, on what the E-Myth is? What uh, this, for, for folks who haven't heard of Michael Gerber and the E-Myth, tell us what that is. Um. The E-Myth stands for the Entrepreneurial Myth, which is the way Michael Gerber framed this uh, 40 years ago when he said that most small businesses are not started by people who think they're going to make money. 
most small businesses are started by what, what we call a technician having had an entrepreneurial seizure. <laughs> <laughs> it, it sounds funny to talk about it, but most business owners had no clue what they were doing. They were very, very good at what they did. They're very, very good as you were mm -hmm. years ago, very, very good at, at fabricating and installing stone. And you got this notion, your seizure was the belief that you could, since you were so good at doing that work, you could run a business that does that work. Yeah. And that's where the wheels start to fall off. Gerber started, uh, it's a little over 40 years ago now, coaching small business owners. And at the time, there really was no place for a small business owner to go. All the, all the help out there was for big companies. Mm -hmm. So he found out that there was, there was a market, there was a demand that people would do this. And he was coaching for small business owners for uh, about 15 years mm. when Harper Collins said, hey, can you write a book about that? So the book, The E-Myth Revisited, which should be in every business owner's library, you know, is about, it's not a book about how to do it. It's a book about how I did it. Mm. And 25 years ago, Michael Gerber's company took that book and built a coaching program based on the book. Mm. And I was lucky enough to be invited into the coaching program uh, over 20 years ago and, wow. and, and just fell in love with the whole process. I had been calling on business owners about, Hey, don't you want to, don't you want to put that 401k plan in for your employees? And they would say things like, look, buddy, I'm busting my butt to make payroll this week. I don't have time to talk about that. Hmm. So that's when I began to notice a lot of these guys are really, really good. Outstanding machinist, fantastic plumber, really good at running a print shop. None of them were any good at, at building a business that did that work. Hmm. And that's, I think, what, what sets the emith apart is we recognize that you're struggling because inside every business owner are three personalities that are fighting to get out. They all want to be in charge. The technician, that's what you do so well. The manager who wants to plan everything. The manager's the guy that when he puts the tools up on the wall in his garage, he draws lines around them so he knows where the where the where the rake goes, where the shovel goes. I and think then there's the entrepreneur, and that's the guy that sits there and goes, what if? Hmm. I and think that explains a lot. The fact that I've, I, I, I that confirms the fact that I'm a, <laughs> I don't think I have the manager, you know, DNA in me. I've never drawn lines around my tools. My workbench is a pile. So uh, that must you've be always, you've always, you've always asked the what if question. For sure. Yeah. That's, that's probably the dominant trait in my personality. But, uh, I mean, you, you never, you can't get rid of these personalities. I mean, it's, it's not a mental health problem. It's just, it's just our humanity. You can't get rid of one, but what you can do is to become extremely aware of what mindset are you in, what personality are you in while you're making that decision? Because you want to be, if you're making a technician's decision, you want to be in a technician mindset. Mm-hmm. If you're making a manager's decision, painful as it might be, got to be in a manager's mindset. So. Yeah, and, and I would think that the technician, at least from a trade 
related standpoint, you know, where, where, where there's plumbing or in our case, you know, stone fabrication, it's very, very technical. Um, you know, the work is what people gravitate towards. I think that's where we've seen the opportunity at, the, uh, at this level on the Fab Lab podcast, trying to come at this and talk about the business side, because the whole industry is not just the owners. To me, it seems like the entire industry is fixated and oriented around the technical side. All the forums, all the discussions seem to be uh, oriented around the, the technical side of the equipment, the tooling, the, you know, the ins and outs of that kind of thing, the processes for producing the outcome. Is, and to the, in my opinion, the exclusion of this elephant in the room, the business that you started that is, you know, exists in the background of all of this work that the technician is so, you know, so good at doing. Well, let's have a conversation about that, can we? Sure. Let, let, me, let, me, let me ask you this. What, why do you think that happens? I think my, well, from a, I guess it might be a cynical maybe answer to that question. Uh, my, my observation would be uh, the industry in a lot of ways from a trade association standpoint, from the, um, the conventions is, is, is paid for, supported by the big manufacturers of the equipment. And so there is a lot of, uh, a lot of dollars spent promoting the technical solutions, the tooling, the equipment, the technologies as the solution to the problems that the business owner is facing. And since they fund all of the, you know, in a sense, the community or the communications amongst the business owning populace, that takes a much more prominent role at the trade show um, in the conversation. So that'd be my, that'd be my first crack at that. Well, you, 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 might, you, you might be being a trifle cynical because I gotta tell you that I don't care if it's stone fabrication, uh, truck parts, cell phone at the retail level, cell phones at the retail level, uh, contractors, uh, metal fabricators, it's all, they, they all have the same thing. They all want to talk about which machine to get. Did you get the, did you get the left-handed widget to go with the right-handed monkey wrench? Oh, no, I don't have one of those. So it's, it's, it's our default. It's the business owner's default to that technician mindset. And the default is because as an early on business owner, you learned that being in technician is where the money is. Mm -hmm. It's also your comfort zone. Yeah. To get out of it. I don't have to tell you, I, I, why this, you know how uncomfortable it was to get out of it. Yeah. You had to say, I ain't doing that today. <laughs> but in order to not do that, I got to replace myself doing it. And if I'm going to replace myself doing it, I got to build structure. Yeah. And if I'm going to build structure, I got to be a manager. And I don't care if you're doing stone or sheet metal. Mm-hmm. Or, so can, or, can, can or, I, or, 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 or paving parking lots. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that chasm right there that I think that, that if this triggers a thought, there's going to be this moment for an owner technician who's making this transition. And, and I saw it more clearly because we were adding technology to the business in that era. I think I started with Emith and started with you in 05, as we were acquiring more and more sophisticated oh, I, equipment. I remember you, you, being seized up about your first CNC machine? Yeah. <laughs> oh my yeah. God. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. So here's a very, here was the situation. From my perspective, I've got to make this choice now. I've just made this massive investment that was absolutely necessary at the time. But the, the decision 
do, do I go to the training and learn how to run that piece of equipment or do I send my employees to go run that piece of equipment? And that to me was where the rubber met the road. It's like, if I, if I don't resist this temptation to go learn how to run this piece of equipment, I'm always going to be wrestling with that default, that tendency in a weak moment to go back to, you know, I'll just go run the piece of equipment myself because that's what I know. That's what might be seem more profitable. That might be safer. Or I might be more predictable in terms of the results. So how is that a valid way to frame that in, in terms of that point at which you're making this transition out of technician into owner manager? Did you send your people to the training or did you go? I sent my people. Okay. You, you answered your own question. You had, it may have happened at three o'clock in the morning, but you had the, the epiphany that if I go, I'm still going to have to send them if I ever want to get out of it. Yeah. And I think that was that defining moment of that, that transition was when that decision was made, the, the, the why in the road, you know, the fork in the road was taken um, to, to leave that old technician mindset, not necessarily leave it behind entirely, but to choose to leave the technical work to the employees that I was hiring so that I could get about asking the questions, what's possible and how do we, how do we move this thing forward? But I talked to a lot of owners still today and in interacting, you know, as a pop in, over the podcast and, and stuff like that, where that's, they'll even buy the piece of equipment, but then they're the ones that go and get the training and, it, and it's, what would you tell that owner that is in that situation right now that is, that is at that fork in the road or crossroads? Well, I, I wouldn't tell them anything because as a coach, I don't tell. <laughs> I ask. What would you ask? Consultants have answers. Coaches have questions. I, and I would ask. I would ask as I did with you and why you didn't go. I remember. I remember that because it just it was it, it was a fork in the road for for your 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 stone operation. Why do you want to do that? And it comes down to feeling like I can, the owners, this is the owner's process. I got to be able to do it because if I don't know how to do it and they leave, what am I going to do? Right. <laughs> well, you know, the guy that started McDonald's, Ray Kroc, never worried about the guy flipping burgers leaving because he said, I can't, I can't, I can't have 56,000 stores around the world if I'm the guy flipping the burgers. So you've got to decide, am I going to, put my technician mindset aside long enough to act like a manager, think like an entrepreneur. Mm. I mean, to, to make the stone industry feel better, I'll tell you a story that came out of the construction industry. I had a guy, heavy, heavy construction, streets, sewers, stuff like that. He's big, very proud of himself because he bought a business. paving machine. A big, big boy business. Oh, zillions and zillions and zillions and zillions in, in, in equipment debt. But he bought a paving machine and he says, but nobody knows how to run it but me. He says, so I can't do any paving unless I run the machine. I said, get rid of the machine. <laughs> or let somebody else learn how to do it. This was the guy who had 53 employees. Wow. I said, how many report to you? One of my first meetings. And a very long silence. And he goes, I guess all of them. Hmm. Now, now it wasn't 53, but, but all four, five, eight, or 10 
were reporting to Aaron back in 2005. Yeah, yeah. That's a great point. Just, you know, to sometimes for the fabricators driving down the road, they're heading to a job site, they're going to go deal with the problem, they're heading back to the shop, whatever the, whatever the, the destination is. I think it's important to stop and pause and say, listen, no matter where you're at right now, fellow fabricator, listening to what Steve just said, ask yourself that question. Who reports to you and how many people report to you? Because that is really a jarring question when you come to grips with if it's everybody in the company. <laughs> well, if everybody in the company is reporting to you, nobody gets anything done until they can talk to you. Right. And, and you get into a situation where the, the, the responsibilities, or as we call them in, in, in the EMIF approach, the accountabilities are vague. And you get into a situation which is beautifully described in the book, by the way, in the EMIF book in chapter 14 about your organization. It's described as when, when everybody's doing everything, nobody's accountable for anything. Hmm. Oh, I thought he did that. No, he didn't do that. Well, I thought she knows. No, she didn't do it either. And you go right through the whole company and find out, yeah. oh, heck, nobody did anything. Yep. And that's why these owners can't stop long enough to look at an investment for a piece of equipment that might transform their business or in some cases listen to a podcast because their phone's ringing off the hook with everybody in the company who reports to them saying, you got to make the call. You, you, what do I do in this situation? Or here's another problem that you need to fix. Well, and, and, and to fix the problem, the owner has to change. Hmm. And, and what do we know about that? We know that in order to change, and I don't care if it's a stone shop owner, a construction company owner, anybody, an athlete has this problem. Mm. To change, you got to test your comfort zone. You got to you got to get real uncomfortable mm. until you find out, oh, that wasn't so bad. Mm. You know, talk to any athlete that keeps ratcheting up their their performance. They'll tell you, this this is hard work and nobody nobody told me that (laughs) and that's maybe why it seems easier to default back to technician mode that's more uh comfortable it's 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 a known quantity and and you know with change comes you know fear the unknown and that's not to be underestimated in terms of the power of that emotion um and and how much of a limiting factor that can be on an owner who who does see the need to change, but maybe is struggling with, uh, which I guess yeah, from, from my perspective, that's why a coach is so essential. <laughs> it's, it's one thing to read the book and go, I got to change. At least from my perspective, it was entirely different to know Steve and I have a meeting coming up and, and, and I committed to doing some of this work that is going to help me make that change. And I don't want to show up having not, having not done what I said I was going to do. Um, looking like a wuss, looking like somebody that's all talk and no action. And so. Um, it's, it's amazing what being held accountable by somebody outside of ourselves can do for us. Mm. It really is. I mean, I, uh, I have, uh, I have a number of business owners that the last thing they do every day is send me an email. Mm. Here's what I got done today. <laughs> and they know, they know they better not have any uh, hooey on it. <laughs> no BS. No BS. If I say Tom Landry, you guys know who I'm talking about, right? Oh, yeah. The Hall of Coach from the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. Landry once said a coach is someone who tells you what you don't want to hear, hmm. who has you see what you don't want to see, so you can be 
who you've always known you could be. Hmm. I get, I got chills going up and down my spine here. You... I wish I had said that, but Landry said it. I should quit. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's really what it's all about is deep down inside. Every owner knows it could be different. Yeah. I'm but, curious when, but, when people, oh, go ahead. But, but the question is how, how do I do that? Yeah. I, it's been long enough. I don't remember when I, you know, my journey was like this. I went into business for myself. I think when I read the E-Myth, I might've had one employee, could have been a full-time, could have been part-time. I don't remember at this point, but right before I hired my second employee, a fellow business owner said, you got to read this book. And, and so I'd been in business a year at that point. So I hadn't had time to really, I, I didn't even expect to still be in business at the end of that year. So I had no you know, preconceived ideas that my way was the right way. So I was very open. I was like a sponge. I read this book and it was, it was so obvious to me, this is the answer. So I, under, I, I grasped the concept, but it was still a couple of years later before I ever was exposed to the EMIT coaching. And, and so I, Maybe help me remember how many business owners, when they approach the E-Myth, they go, hey, I, this is an opportunity. How many of them really understand the role that coaching is going to play in that transformation from you know, technician to owner, uh, visionary? I, 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 probably about 70% by the time they appear on our radar screen. Okay. Now, we, you know, there's been a lot of sifting and winnowing. And, 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 and that's not to say 70% of them clamor to be our clients i mean it just doesn't happen because because sooner or later in the process and you'll find this probably not too hard to imagine but we have a whole system for how do we talk to a business owner who thinks he wants an emf or she wants an emf coach mm -hmm. and that that process can take anywhere from two weeks to two months mm -hmm. and and they are told that it's hard work, that, that they have to be willing to make the commitment. Hmm. If, if you're looking for the magic dust, uh, I'm, I'm completely out. We just don't have magic dust anymore. <laughs> it's just, I mean, we're talking, you know, the, the, I think the thing that, and, and, and I think you experienced this, the thing I love about our, the way we approach business coaching is that if you're going to have a business, shouldn't it serve your life? Because if it doesn't serve your life, don't you just really have a job? Mm -hmm. And so let's work on making sure that you have a business that allows you to live the life you want. Yeah. We, we, we call it lift your business, love your life. Mm. And I think that's, that's the, what the marketing guys and we call the brand differentiator. There's no shortage of coaching programs out there, by the way, none whatsoever. We were probably the first in the space 40 years ago, but it's, it's filled up with lots and lots of other stuff. There's lots of industry specific coaching. I'll tell you that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think that's, as, as I, as I think back, it was at the, uh, I think it was the Sheraton hotel, downtown Portland, Michael, I heard Michael Gerber was coming to Portland to speak. And I said, Oh, that, Oh, I'm going to go hear him speak. I heard him speak. And I wound up talking to another business owner that I think had either a muffler shop or transmission shop. And he had, th I think three shops at that point. And what, what was, I, I thought Michael Gerber was a 
a good speaker. I'd read the book probably a couple of times at that point. He wasn't very nice to me when he signed my book. I will say that, not just being completely honest. So it wasn't Michael Gerber's sales job that, that, that compelled me to inquire about the mastery program. It was this business owner's vision what he had imagined was possible and that he was pursuing. And so for me, I was really already fixated when I said, I got to learn about this mastery. I, I was, in a sense, I think I was imagining the destination. The, I didn't understand the role that coaching would play in helping me get there. You, well, you, you, you were attracted to the destination. Yeah. And, 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 and the journey was something you just knew you were going to have to do. Mm -hmm. You didn't, didn't have to like it. You just had to do it. Yeah. And it's, it's more so now that I look back and with a little bit of perspective, I can just see, and I know I keep coming back to the coaching, but it's because I, I absolutely believe it. It's, you can buy the book, you can buy the course, <laughs> but the coaching is the, is the X factor, in my opinion, that allows the owner, helps the owner, guides the owner to, or maybe through that hard work and to that destination in the end. Maybe some people do it with the book. I don't know. Seems like it'd be a pretty small. We did three years ago. We did do away with all of our do-it-yourself online tools hmm. because they they were attracting. We had two clients signed up. I mean, they just because without the accountability, what? How did you put it? I know I got a meeting and I don't want to look like a wimp. <laughs> without somebody holding you accountable, you don't get it done. And that's that's the other beautiful thing in the coaching relationship is. Nobody needs to know you have a coach unless you choose to tell them because mm. we don't tell them. Yeah. Right. I tell, I tell owners that are starting the program, don't tell anybody. Mm. Just wait, see if they notice you behave differently. <laughs> because I mean, as you begin to think strategically as, as your coach gets you off of thinking like a technician, you, you can't help but act different. Mm. And when you act different, people start to notice it. Mm. Well, especially for the people closest to you, it's actually going to start impacting their experience on a day-to-day -day basis. Bingo. Yeah. Well, cu curious, what, what's the most dramatic sort of transformation? And I don't know how, I have no idea how many coaches, I'm sorry, how many clients you've coached over your 20 years. So I'm guessing you've got a pretty broad perspective, pretty thorough, you know, uh, spectrum of, of business owner types. But what, what's been the most dramatic transformation that you've, observed and, and in a sense participated in uh, for a business owner over that time frame? Does one stick out in your mind? That's a really great question, Aaron. And, and I, I'd like to say thank you for asking, but it's a, it's a real stumper because hmm. uh, I, I've, I've probably had my nose in four to 500 businesses over the years. Wow. And there isn't, I mean, you're a standout in, in terms of, of, of my recollection because you did, you did what you said you were going to do. You, you you got free of your stone shop so you could do these other things. I've got podcast. a couple. Sorry? A podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I've got a couple that have been like that. Um, I do have a I do have a, a, a guy like you. I mean, he's not in a formal coaching program anymore, but we stay in touch. And he was one of those, we everybody reports to me, so what? Hmm. And, and I've been talking to him during the pandemic. And he says, I can't tell you how proud I am of my team. He says, my managers are managing. Mm. And I said, and that just happened by accident? No, <laughs> I mean, it, it happened because I started coaching. I my coaching relationship with him started in like 99 and we still stay in touch. Wow. 
and 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 he has transformed his business and his life hmm. and in terms of revenue in terms of freedom yeah. i said how's it going he says playing more golf than i ever played wow that that just strikes a chord in me when you're when the, the statement that you just made about the life the impact on the lifestyle outside of work so can you spend a little bit more time on that in terms of that reality that the the, the role that the business plays or or the, the monster that grows and those that have broke through that and actually have a life on the outside of the business again it's 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 all part of it's all part of mastering working on it not in it every day it's all part of mastering the strategic thinking and it's all part of it's all part of making the decision that I don't want that life anymore. Hmm. I don't want to have my cell phone buzzing in my pocket while I have my family out to dinner on the occasion of my daughter's birthday. I mean, I won't even take my phone if I'm taking my daughter out for her birthday. Hmm. Okay. And it, it's just, you, you have to decide, I want this bad enough. And, and I, you know, the, the skill, you know, one of the, one of the skills we often talk about a, an entrepreneur has to have is discretion. And the biggest discretion I think an owner has to learn, and it's a hard one. What's the distinction between important and urgent? Hmm. Because everything is not urgent. <laughs> it's not. It, can, it can feel like it when you have 10 different people coming to you every day with something that needs an answer and needs to get done. Yes, but the solution to the 10 people coming at you every day is, is the strategic organizational work you have to do, the hierarchy you have to create, where they understand. And, and it's, you don't announce it on Tuesday and have it happen by Friday, but it's about your role in the business is this, here's who reports to you, here's the results you're expected to produce, and here's when you're going to meet with me to tell me about it. You still do regularly scheduled meetings with your 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 key players in your in your company, right? Yeah, this pandemic has shifted that a little bit. We've yeah. we've <laughs> really probably come become a little bit more lackadaisical as it relates to those scheduled meetings. Um, but yeah, that reporting loop is 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 one of the tell, key. Tell, tell tell our audience who those three people are because this is key. Yeah. So I've got, well, it's four people right now. I've got a pre-production manager who handles all of the, you know, the, the material layouts, the templating, and, and basically getting the information ready for the shop. Got a production manager, handles all, everything that happens in the shop up to the point where they're staged for install. I've got an install manager that handles everything related to that staff and the customer's warranties, that kind of thing. And I have a finance admin slash sales manager, kind of a unique character who oversees those two departments. And so those are the only four people that report to me directly. From a functional standpoint, I, I, I want to frame that because who's reporting to you are the people who sell it, the people who produce it, and the people who keep track of everything else. Yep. We call that uh, operations, marketing and sales, and finance and administration. Yeah. And it is inevitable that those three components of any business are always at odds with each other because the people who make it say, why'd they sell so much? Or they say, why didn't they sell more? And then you have the, 
the finance person going around thinking, well, you need to name this reform right. And, and so every, everybody's going to grab at each other's throat. And yeah. that's perfectly natural. And it's your job as the leader, and you know this one, you probably carry one of those weighted yellow handkerchiefs in your back pocket and a whistle and you throw the flag and blow the whistle and say, wait a minute, kids, <laughs> let's start over again. You know, on my best day, yeah. Uh, but I still fall into the temptation of getting in the middle of that stuff and, sure. and having managers come to me and want me to solve problems. Case in point this morning in our ops meeting. Major up technician and layout guy were a little annoyed with uh, the sales process because some information wasn't communicated. Salesperson's out of town, not available, customers there. And uh, yeah, it, um, so yeah, it, it's real. Having been through this experience and having come to the other side has not prevented reality from still <laughs> you know, existing see, within that, the business. That's, that's gonna happen all the time and forever because I don't care. I don't care how big you get. You're still dealing with human beings. Mm -hmm. You're not dealing with robots. Yep. You know, sometimes people say, well, you just want to turn everybody into robots. That's the last thing in the world we want to do. Yep. We want to turn them into self-responsible, accountable, productive mm -hmm. operators of our systems. Great people operating great systems. And, and you don't have these things where the, the car bangs off the guardrail and gets back to the middle of the road. Yeah. And, and, and that's not an event. That's a process. Hmm. Hmm. Well, it's, and it's, and it lends itself to that outcome, going out to dinner, celebrating your daughter's birthday without your cell phone or taking off at noon to go play around to golf and not needing to be available for a call. And so I, again, kind of one of those moments just to sort of frame that imagine fellow stone shop owner, what you, how your life would be different if that were the case. If you could leave your cell phone at the shop and go to lunch with a client, if you could take a day off and actually take a day off doing something else unrelated to the business with your family by yourself, where the business did not completely grind to a halt in your absence. Um, and if it, I know a lot of I know a lot of stone shop owners feel that sense of pressure, that that unrelenting, I've, I've, I've set this enterprise into motion and now it's taken on a life of its own and it requires me to be there and on call. And it's, how do I get out of this? How do I extract myself from this job that I can't quit? You know, it's one thing to have a job. You can go, I hate this job. I quit here. I'm going to get it. I'll apply somewhere else. When you own the business, if you've created this scenario, you just can't quit and walk away from it tomorrow. You're, so how do you get out of that? Well, we, we call that overwhelm and you get out of it by deciding you want to get out of it. Mm. And you can decide you want to get out of it if you know where you're going to go when you get out of it. Mm. Yes. I mean, that's, it's, it, it, it's that excruciatingly simple that it's very, very hard to do. Mm. Mm. It's very, very hard to do. I don't tell you that. Can you can you discern from all of your you know evaluating those prospective coaching clients or you know business owners that are at least we've got to the point where they're like, I got to do something different and I've heard the e myth is is the way to get there. Are, are most of them at the same point? Is it a pretty consistent state of mind, state in their business, um, in terms of where they're at when they show up, and and say, can you help me? Um. Over half are by the time by time I'm talking to them. Mm 
um, I'm my role with in the Amos network right now is, is um, I help people that think they want to become clients become clients but I I work with another I work within a system and another another guy to match them to the right coach because mm -hmm. I my coaching load is maxed out I don't I don't have room in my coat. I, I might have it for somebody really special. But, uh, <laughs> so, but about half, about half of what gets to me understands what Emith is all about, mm. and they want some. They recognize they need some help. What they want to know and what we spend the time talking about is how does it work? Mm. What is, you know, it's kind of like they're at the car dealership, and they say, "Okay." Uh, let's lift the hood and you show me how this engine works. And that's what I have to do because we, we are very systematic. We're very uh, um, sequence driven. Our, our, our program, which has got 40 years of development behind <laughs> it. We know that if we do things in this particular order, we're going to get the outcome we want. Does it work every time? It works every time the owner agrees with us, <laughs> but it doesn't work. I mean, people don't want to do the work. Mm. I mean, it's just hard work. Yeah. And some people just say, you know what? I'll go, I'll go back to this miserable existence I'm enjoying. Mm. I'm not going to do the work. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. I have, a, I have, a, I have a, a former client who's been a lifelong friend. He said, he said, I need more than email. He says, He's, I think I need some of those programs where they get you off of, off of addictive substances. I said, well, that, that, that may be. That may be. No. Anyway. Yeah, I've work, heard work, work, work is an aphrodisiac. Some people get really buzzed working. Yeah, I was just going to say that that work is a coping mechanism for some people. It's how they. Absolutely. And that you know honestly that was that probably is what was a driving that that sensation of success. Uh, was was very much you know being in that role and and that those those feelings of being the guy and and seeing the results that that were you know you're pulling the levers and you act and results occur and it translates into the bank account that I mean that was a drug for me for sure heck yeah yeah heck yeah mm -hmm. you know one of the things we ask a new client to do is to set up some personal goals you know. Mm -hmm you want to buy a new house, you want to buy a new car, you want to, and, and, it, and it never ceases to amaze me how once that goal gets written down and shared, how it gets achieved. Mm -hmm. I had a guy, when I started working with him, he says, I want to get married and have children. I says, do you have anybody on your radar screen? He says, no, not yet. <laughs> but, but four years later, he had two, he was married with two kids. Now, mm -hmm. did I do that? No, he did that by looking at his goals. Yeah. And by having somebody like me say to him every three months, so how are you doing on your goals? Mm, yeah. Yeah. There's something to the, the, the power of writing. In some cases, there doesn't even need to be a strategy. It's just the simple act of writing down what you want and maybe even putting the notebook on the bookshelf. It, it's powerful. That, that process is, um, is not to be underestimated in terms of, of the, the fuel that it provides you to make changes, um, even, even subconsciously. You're absolutely, well, because once it's written down, once it's left your hand and then come back through your eyes, it's in there. It's working. It's working. It's working. It's working. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. I heard a great quote. I don't know where I heard this, but the strongest memory weaker than the faintest ink. So let, let me ask you a question. And so I'm going to, I'm going to try and ask this in such a way that the, the only answer isn't to give advice, but I'm thinking right now, I'm imagining a stone shop owner, a business owner who's listening to this podcast and this is resonating. They, they know, they, they relate to the things that you're saying, the experiences that a lot of business owners have. And there's a desire to, they know they got to make some changes and they want to make some changes. What, I, I don't want to say, what would you advise them to do? What, what questions would you ask them? How would you move them towards the next step? It's one thing to think about it. It might even be another thing to write it down. I wanted to change. I want to have a life outside of work. What, what would your, how would that interaction go between you and that? business owner well the same as it goes with every business owner i talk to because i because if you don't do things consistently you can't quantify them very well and one of my very first questions is so tell me how do you know about emith hmm. and i'm trying to find out have they read the emith revisited well i read the book which book the emith revisited okay and then, and then we go from there. So my, if somebody wants to think about changing things, my first question would be, have you read the book? And just, and I have, and I have no vested interest in selling books, by the way. Yeah. You can get it at Amazon. I think it's 14, 15 bucks. And just a little plug for AaronCrowley.com because of the profound impact that book had on me, you can actually buy the e-myth off of my website. I have an affiliate link at the bottom of the homepage. It's that, it's that transformational. It's, um, there you go. it's competing with my own, my own book, you know, it's buy like, the book, go to AaronCrowley.com. That's fine. I, uh, I, I decided I could be in the coaching business or the book business. So I decided to stay in the coaching business. <laughs> I I, I've made it my mission to simplify things as much as I can. Hmm. I think somebody wanted to have a meeting with me on Friday and I said, I can't do that. He said, you can't? I said, no, I don't work on Friday. <laughs> what a concept. I'm going to write that down. Hmm. So read I take my long run. So read the book first, The E-Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber. Uh, what would you suggest as a second step? Somebody reads that and they go, yeah, yeah, I get it. What's the next step? Get in touch with me and we'll, we'll talk about, we'll talk about what a, a, a coaching session that, that you don't get charged for hmm. to talk about what's going on in your business, what you need to know, what you don't know, and how can we help you know it and how can we help you get there? Right. That's fantastic. So everybody, if you're thinking about going directly to the show notes, scheduling a meeting with Steve, stop, get a copy of the book, read it first, and then go to the show notes, get the link to Steve's contact information and, uh, and schedule a call. Out, reach out to me anytime. I mean, you, you, we might be surprised at how many of them have read the book or at least heard enough. Yeah. Hmm. So I'd be happy to talk to any, be happy to talk to any business owner that wants a different life because hmm. that's what it's all about. Hmm. That is such a perfect way to wrap up uh, the essence of this conversation. That is it at the end of the day. Do you want a different life? Do you want a life outside of work? And uh, I'm a, 
I don't know if I'm a typical or an atypical example, but I, I will just, I'll wrap this up by saying that five years I spent with you, Steve, working through the EMIF Mastery Program uh, is what has allowed me in the 10 years since to build multiple businesses, to have a business that runs that affords me the time to leave work, come home and sit down on a call. My phone hasn't rang one time <laughs> since, we, since we started this recording. Uh, and so it works. Why is absolutely there? I had to force a habit, you know, it's just like, like my kids, I start twitching if the things, you know, not in my pocket, uh, maybe someday I'll change that. But Steve, I just, I just want to um, reiterate my appreciation, uh, not just for the five years we spent coaching and the impact that our relationship and, and your guidance had, um, but just for your willingness to come on today and talk about EMIF, talk about your coaching experiences, and, and just hopefully to open the minds, um, open the eyes of our audience just a little bit more uh, about what's possible um, for them outside of work and, and, and also inside of work um, to, to radically change the experience that, uh, that you have. It is absolutely possible. So thank you for coming on today. It's been a... <laughs> uh, it's been a gift. It's been it's been a really special opportunity to do this on the hundredth episode of the Fab Lab podcast. Uh, thank you for having me, Ernest. It's been an honor to be with you. It's a joy always, as you know, when we we touch base. Hey, you got a few minutes, and an hour and a half later, we decide that maybe we we better schedule another session. <laughs> it's it's my pleasure. I I I just the hundredth episode of your podcast sounded a little frightening. Like maybe you were reserving that for an older person or something. <laughs> nope. Just a very special person that had a profound impact, you know, at the end of the day, so much of what we talk about here on the fab lab podcast, so much of what I wrote about in my book really came out of the e-myth and that experience, you know, it came, and, out of, it came out of the heavy lifting you were willing to do. Hmm. I mean, thank you for saying kind things about me and e-myth, but you did the hard work. Hmm. Well, anybody in the stone industry will be no stranger to hard work. So ladies and gentlemen, fans, friends, followers of the Fab Lab podcast, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I, I just got to tell you, um, I, I, I am so grateful for the opportunity to have developed this rapport, this relationship with you over the last hundred episodes of the Fab Lab podcast. We have people listening, not just in the U.S., but outside of the U.S. I won't say it's worldwide per se, <laughs> but the reach is amazing. And I consider this such a privilege to have been on this journey with you uh, up to this point, the 100th episode. This is the conclusion of season two. If you remember at the end of season one, we took some time off. We're going to take a little bit of time off now before season three officially begins. Now, it's possible you're going to hear from me in the meantime because I got a lot to share. I got a lot to say. I got, I'm always thinking about this stuff and I want to stay connected with you and you can stay connected with me by visiting AaronCrowley.com, you can also email me, Aaron at AaronCrowley.com. I'd love to hear from you if you got ideas, if you got questions, if you got something you're dealing with. Would love to hear from you at any point. You can reach out to me. So, ladies and gentlemen, until the next time, and I'm not exactly sure when that's going to be, until the next time, which is the beginning of Season 3, happy fabricating.